A quick note, some of the audio will be very inconsistent because my cat dude bro was rolling around on my keyboard the whole time trying to make me pet him. So I had to go back and re-record some sections and my voice is like shot today. So it's just going to be a little inconsistent at times and I blame it on dude bro. And if you check out my Instagram, Ovary Actor, I'll put a picture of dude bro being crazy. Okay, enjoy. Okay, hi, it's me, Overreactor. I'm back. I know my last episode was just, just a nightmare. It was all over the place and I've been going through a lot and I'm, I'm uncertain about what to do with my life and yeah. Okay, I figured out what I want to do with this podcast. Like I said, my passions have changed, but one thing that I've noticed stays the same is my love of rules. <laughs> rules are everywhere, everywhere in everything. You want to learn to play any game, well, what are the rules? Any sport, what are the rules? What are the rules of love? What are the rules of society? What are the unspoken rules? So this podcast is going to remain, at its core, all about the rules, which probably means I need to update the name and genre of the podcast because it's no longer roller derby specific. You know what I think I might rename the podcast? What about this? Rules rule. Because it's always about rules of some kind. And like I've always wanted to know the rules of rugby. That would be a fun sport to dive into. Rugby. Ugh. And I've got this one story that I really want to tell you guys about rules being broken. And it involves me becoming a bartender and then getting fired from being a bartender because I did not want to split my tips with the owner of the establishment so that he could keep the establishment's lights on. Uh, Literally, he basically said, if I cannot afford to pay the bills, you will not have a job. And I was like, that's not my problem. I didn't say that to his face. My coworker said that. And I just was like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. There's like a fight. And blah, blah, blah. Uh, turns out it's very illegal for an owner or supervisor to demand to be cut into the tip share in order to pay the establishment's bills. So there um, has been a complaint filed with the Federal Department of Labor. So that's a story for another day. Today, I am going to read to you the rules of two classic board games. The first being Shoots and Ladders, and the second being Parcheesi. This came up because I got this great board game set. Hold on, let me grab it so I can describe it for you. And I apologize if this is noisy. Keep in mind, I have a feline basically trying to sabotage every single thing I'm doing. So that there's that. Okay, I draw the line. When it comes to standing on the keyboard. Oh my gosh, and he knocked the microphone. Okay, hold on. Okay, let me describe... Let's see. Let me describe this game to you. It is a box. And it's got what looks like drawers. But they're not drawers. Well, one of them is a drawer. But the top two are slots. Now, on the top of the box, it's a wooden box. It's got a checkerboard. Oops. It's got a checkerboard on the top for checkers or chess. Then the first tray slides out. Oh my gosh, 
it shoots in ladders. You flip it over, it's like a wooden tray, and it's parcheesi. Okay, so that's one tray. The next tray, it looks like Mancala, and then there's a plus sign shape made out of dots. I, I've never played that game before, but it looks cool, so we can learn what that is. Flip that over, and there's a backgammon set with a tic-tac-toe board in the middle, and then what look to be all the different combinations of die, like six and six, one and six, four and four, one and one. I don't know what that's for, though. Okay, so there's that. Then a drawer, drawer pops out, and that holds all the pieces. We've got little balls, we've got chess pieces, dice, little, what are you calling them, hoppy guys. The player, like your player piece, your landmarker, your, I don't know, hoppy guys. The guys that hop around the board. What are those called? Not tokens, not avatars, whatever. Hoppy guys, that's what we're going to call them. Little tiny mini dominoes. Oh, I forgot about this. In the very bottom of the drawer is another game. It's Chinese checkers with all the little holes drilled. Wait. Oh, I never looked on the bottom, but there's nothing on the bottom of the drawer. So I'm wondering if there's a game that I invent, or maybe I could do like a Monopoly board or something on the bottom. That would be cool. So anyway, this is what sparked this idea is because I'm like, what are the rules of Parcheesi? What are the rules of Mancala? Like, what are the rules of Backgammon? I hadn't played Backgammon since I was a kid. So I thought about this podcast and I was like, you know what? This could be fun. So I'm going to read to you the rules of Shoots and Ladders and Parcheesi today. But there's a bonus because I have a good friend coming over to my house to play Shoots and Ladders and Parcheesi. And what I would like to do is every Tuesday record a podcast episode with the rules of a different board game and then every Wednesday have someone come over as my guest to play the game. Oh, I forgot the most important part of it. I'll be streaming that on Twitch. You heard it here first, folks. Wednesday nights on Twitch, which my name is Overy Actor, just like this. It, it might be Overy underscore actor, actually, but I'm easy to find. And you'll get to watch me play board games with different people. And some of the games can be played online, so we could do that as a group even. Like, wouldn't that be fun? Like, board game night. So, whenever you're hearing this, just know. Go to Twitch. If there's a way to save the videos, I'll save them. And then you can watch me play these games and and chime in about fun memories you have with the games. Now, we should get started. First, let me take a little break. Okay, and we're back. First, we're going to talk about shoots and ladders. I'm getting all of this information from wikipedia.com, which I am not ashamed to get the information from. I remember, gosh, what was it, like 1999, 2000, when I was writing my high school English papers, and they were like, Wikipedia is not a reliable source. It's not reputable. It's just regular old people putting information down, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yes, that's true, and I feel like they've been very responsible with citations and resources. The community at large is pretty good about keeping it accurate. Okay, so here it's called snakes and ladders. For other uses, see snakes and ladders disambiguation. What? Open that in a new tab. Then it also says shoots and ladders redirects here. For the American Horror Story episode, Shoots and Ladders, American Horror Story, it has a link. And then it says, for the song by Korn, 
See Shoots and Ladders song. Wow, so there's a lot of Shoots and Ladders references here. All right. Snakes and Ladders is a board game for two or more players regarded today as a worldwide classic. The game originated in ancient India as, please forgive my pronunciation, Moksha Patam, and was brought to the UK in the 1890s. It is played on a game board with numbered gridded squares. A number of ladders and snakes are pictured on the board, each connecting two specific board squares. The object of the game is to navigate one's game piece according to die rolls from the start, bottom square, to the finish, top square, helped by climbing ladders but hindered by falling down snakes. The game is a simple race based on sheer luck, and it is popular with young children. The historic version had its roots in morality lessons on which a player's progression up the board represented a life journey complicated by virtues or ladders and vices or snakes. The game is also sold under other names such as shoots and ladders, Bible ups and downs, etc. Some with a morality motif. A morality-themed Shoots and Ladders was published by the Milton Bradley Company starting from 1943. So this, I need to find historical references for Shoots and Ladders because let me tell you, I didn't even notice it at first, but on this board game, it has some very, very interesting imagery. Let me just take you through a few. On this board, it's green and white checkered. And it has many snakes and it has many ladders. But here's an example. A little boy is chasing a dog and trying to hit him with a stick. Hit the dog with a stick. Uh Uh-oh, a snake bit him and he falls down the snake. At the bottom, there is a police officer with a baton spanking the little boy. In this one, a little girl is choking her baby brother. Hands around the neck, choking him. But... She went up a ladder, so a good thing happened. She and her brother are holding hands and smiling. Okay, here's one. A little boy has climbed a tree and is stealing eggs from a bird's nest. Uh Uh-oh, a snake comes, and the boy is falling out of the tree, and the mama bird is attacking him on his descent. Here's one. A little boy. He's wearing some kind of dark sunglasses-looking things. He's got a book in front of him with a bunch of dots on it. What's that about? Oh, you go up the ladder, you realize he's blind, or was blind, but now he can see. He has taken off the glasses and is throwing down the book of Braille. Like what? The actual balls. That does not hold up. So I'm curious what other inappropriate shoots and ladder game boards there are. I was not expecting shoots and ladders to be this involved. So let's talk about the equipment. The size of the grid varies, but is most commonly 8x8, 10x10, or 12x12 squares. I do like that they lay out the grid in squares and not actual size, because it doesn't matter if it's inches or kilometers or whatever. It's just a square. And we all know what a square is. A square can be a rectangle, but a rectangle cannot be a square. That's a rule of shapes. See, we learned so many things about rules in this podcast. Okay, boards have snakes and ladders starting and ending on different squares. 
Both factors affect the duration of play. Each player is represented by a distinct game piece token. Oh, it is called a game piece token, not a hoppy thing. <laughs> a single die is rolled to determine random movement of a player's token in the traditional form of play. Two dice may be used for a shorter game. That's a very good variation because this would be up to the discretion of the players as to the duration of the game. All right, let's talk about the history of Shoots and Ladders. I will not be able to pronounce a lot of the names in here. I will do my very best. Just throwing that out there. Snakes and Ladders originated as part of a family of Indian dice board games that included Gwanchapur and Pachisi, known in English as Ludo and Parcheesi. It made its way to England and was sold as Snakes and Ladders. Then, the concept was introduced to the United States as Chutes and Ladders. Guanshuporjan Game of Wisdom, the version, the version associated with Jain philosophy, which I don't know anything about that. I want to learn. And that's J-A-I-N. Encompassed the concepts like karma and moksha. The game was popular in ancient India by the name Moksha Patam. It was also Hindu philosophy, contrasting karma and kama, or destiny and desire. It emphasized destiny as opposed to games such as Pachisi, which focused on life as a mixture of skill or free will and luck. Whoa, that like is exactly what Parcheesi is. It's luck and there's some skill. Whereas Shoots and Ladders, it's just dumb luck. Oh my god, I had no idea they were this connected and that those were the two games that I wanted to read the rules about. I can't, oh my god, that's wild to me. The underlying ideals of the game inspired a version introduced in Victorian England in 1892. The game has also been interpreted and used as a tool for teaching the effects of good deeds versus bad. The ladders represented virtues such as generosity, faith, and humility, while the snakes represented vice such as lust, anger, murder, and theft. The morality lesson of the game was that a person can attain liberation or moksha through doing good, whereas by doing evil, one will be reborn as lower forms of life. The number of ladders was less than the number of snakes as a reminder that the path of good is much more difficult to tread than the path of sins. Presumably, reaching the last square, number 100, represented the attainment of moshka, or spiritual liberation. A version in the popular Muslim world is known as Shatranjalufra and exists in various versions of India, Iran, and Turkey. In this version, based on Sufi philosophy, the game represents the dervish's quest to leave behind the trappings of worldly life and achieve union with God. When the game was brought to England, the Indian virtues and vices were replaced by English ones in hopes of better reflecting Victorian doctrines of morality. Squares of fulfillment, grace, and success were accessible by ladders of thrift, penitence, and industry, and snakes of indulgence, disobedience, and indolence caused one to end up in illness, disgrace, and poverty. While the Indian version of the game had snakes outnumbering ladders, the English counterpart was more forgiving as it contained equal numbers of each. 
Now I want to know how many snakes and how many ladders are on my board. Let's see. Ladders. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine ladders. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think that's the same number. But they're very confusing because they go like all up and down. Okay. The association of Britain's snakes and ladders with India and Guanchapur began with the returning of colonial families from India during the British Raj. The decor and art of the early English boards of the 20th century reflect this relationship. By the 1940s, very few pictorial references to Indian culture remained due to the economic demands of the war and the collapse of British rule in India. Holy shit, I didn't know that. That's like not cool. I didn't know that. Although the game's sense of morality has lasted through the game's generations, the physical allusions to religious and philosophical thoughts in the game are presented in Indian models, appear to have all but faded. Wow. There has even been evidence of a possible Buddhist version of the game existing in India during the Palasena time period. Wow. Okay, I had no idea that this game has been basically appropriated from India, right? From Indian culture? Like, hey, that's a cool game. Let me put a bunch of white kids with blonde hair on it. I had no idea. I had no idea. Okay. In Andhra Pradesh, this game is popularly called... Hmm, listen, it's a very long word beginning with a V. <laughs> Vaikunthapali or Param... Mapada Sopana Patam, which means the ladder to salvation in Telugu. In Hindi, this game is called Samp Aur Siddhi, Samp Siddhi, and Mokshapat. In Tamil Nadu, the game is called Paramapadam and is often played by devotees of Hindu god Vishnu during the Vakunta. Listen, you guys, if anyone, I'm not gonna. It's just saying it's been known by a lot of other names in a lot of other places. And I feel like it's more disrespectful for me to just like stumble my way through it. So if someone would like to read that those names for me, I will play them on the podcast. Let me know. In the original game, the squares of virtue are faith. Oh, oh, and it gives the number that they should be listed on. Hold on. Faith on 12. I mean, I guess that's on 12. Let's see, faith, reliability on 51, generosity on 57, knowledge at 76, aesthetism, A-S-C-E-T-I-C-I-S-M, aesthetism, 78. The squares for vice or evil are disobedience, 41, vanity, 44, vulgarity, 49, theft, 52, lying, 58, drunkenness, 62, debt, 69. That one should have been lust. Duh, obviously, why wouldn't they put lust on 69? Uh, Murder, 73. Rage, 84. Greed, 92. Pride, 95. And lust is 99. They really bungled that up. So, now we're going to move on to gameplay. Each player starts with a token on the starting square, usually the one grid square, in the bottom left corner, or simply at the edge of the board next to the one grid square. Players take turns rolling a single die to move their token by the number of squares indicated by the dice roll. Tokens follow a fixed route marked on the game board, which usually follows a booster pull de han. 
Bustapodhan or Oxplow track. I had no idea that basically it's when you zigzag, like you're going through a queue at an airport check-in station or something. That's a Bustropendon Oxplow track from the bottom to the top of the plane area, passing once through every square. If on completion of a move, a player's token lands on the lower numbered end of a ladder, the player moves the token up to the ladder's higher numbered square. If the player lands on the higher number square of a snake or shoots, the player moves the token down to the snake's lower numbered square. Down to the snake's lower numbered square. No, lower numbered square. That is a hard thing to say. Down to the snake's lower numbered square. Add that to the list of ovary tongue twisters. If a six is rolled, oh shit, this is, I don't even know what it's about to say. If a six is rolled, the player, after moving, immediately rolls again for another turn. Otherwise, play passes to the next player in turn. The player who is first to bring their token to the last square of the track is a winner. I didn't know you got a bonus turn if you roll a six. I wonder, because it did say in faster rounds you could play with two dice, so I wonder if it's like if you roll a combination of six or do you have to roll like double sixes? I don't know. But now we go into variations. Maybe we'll find out. Variants exist where a player must roll the exact number to reach the final square. Depending on the variation, if the die roll is too large, the token either remains in place or goes off to the final square and back again. What? For example, if a player requiring a 3 to win rolls a 5, the token moves forward three spaces, then back two spaces. I have never heard of that. I like that variation. In certain circumstances, such as a player rolling a five, when a one is required to win, a player can end up further away from the final square after their move. Holy shit, and if you're using two die and you're in you have to roll two die and you're at 98 and you roll double sixes. Well, now you're like all the way back to whatever 98 plus two minus 10 is. I, I hear how that sounded. It'd be 100 minus 10. That's 90. I had to talk that one through you guys. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Wow. 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 Continuing in the book, winning ways, the authors propose a variant, which they call Adders and ladders, which, unlike the original game, involves skill. What? Instead of tokens for each player, there is a store of undistinguishable tokens shared by all players. The illustration has five tokens and a five by five board. There is no die to roll. Instead, the player chooses any token and moves it to one of four spaces. Whoever moves the last token to the home space, i.e. the last number, wins? Huh? That doesn't make sense to me. And move, oh wait. They move it one to four spaces. Whoever moves the token. Oh, so I guess if it's, I don't know. That one seems too tricky. I'm not going to look into the variation winning ways because that. Maybe that could be an episode all its own, and we'll learn a new game. Great. Here we go. 
Oh my good lord. They go through, oh my god, there's so much more to shoots and ladders than I ever knew. I might not get to Parcheesi tonight. It might just be a shoots and ladders podcast. Okay, here we go. Specific editions. The most widely known edition of Snakes and Ladders in the United States is Shoots and Ladders, released by Milton Bradley in 1943. The playground setting replaced the snakes, which were disliked by children at the time. It's played on a 10 by 10 board, and players advance their pieces according to a spinner rather than a die. The theme of the board game design is playground equipment, showing children climbing ladders and descending chutes. The artwork on the board teaches morality lessons. Squares on the bottom of the ladders show a child doing good or sensible deed. At the top of the ladder, there is an image of the child enjoying the reward. Squares at the top of shoots show children engaging in mischievous or foolish behavior. On the bottom of the chute, the image shows the children suffering the consequences. Oh no. Is this about to get racist? Okay, I don't think so. Okay, good. Hang on. Black children were depicted on the Milton Bradley game for the first time in 1974. There have been many pop culture versions of the game with graphics featuring such children's television characters as Dora the Explorer and Sesame Street. It has been marketed as the classic up and down game for preschoolers. In 1999, Hasbro released Shoots and Ladders for PC. What? Shoots and Ladders, the computer game? Are you kidding me? (laughs) In Canada, the game has been traditionally sold as Snakes and Ladders and produced by the Canada, I almost said Canada, and produced by the Canada Games Company. Several Canada-specific versions have been produced over the years, including a version with toboggan runs instead of snakes. That's fun. An early British version of the game depicts the path of a young boy and girl making their way through a cartoon railroad and train system. During the 1990s in South Africa, Shoots and Ladders games made from cardboard were distributed on the back of egg boxes as part of a promotion. Even though the concept of major virtues against vices and related Eastern spiritualism is not much emphasized in modern incarnation, in modern incarnations of the game, the central mechanism of snakes and ladders makes it an effective tool for teaching young children about various subjects. In two separate Indonesian schools, the implementation of the game as media in English lessons of fifth graders not only improved the students' vocabulary, but also stimulated their interest and excitement about the learning process. Which is exactly what I'm trying to do through this podcast. Make everybody excited and engaged about the learning process. Researchers from Carnegie Mellon University found that preschoolers from low-income backgrounds who played an hour of numerical board games like Snakes and Ladders matched the performance of their middle-class counterparts by showing improvements in counting and recognizing number shapes. That's cool. An eco-inspired version of the game was also used to teach students and teachers about climate change and environmental sustainability. Oh my god, I really, really want to find all these different versions of shoots and ladders and see what they depicted as each thing. I want to make my own shoots and ladders. Like, oh my god, can you imagine the overreactor shoots and ladders? You guys know me well enough by now, hopefully, to know I'm cuckoo. Oh, 
you go to New Orleans to meet someone you met from the internet, you get robbed. You know, like, there's something there. Write in with your tips, overreactor at gmail.com. That's O-V-A-R-Y-A-C-T-O-R at gmail.com. And be sure to put in the subject line, idea for shoots and ladders, like in all caps, because I get a lot of spam mail. That's stupid. All right, here we go. Let's get through this. Yeah, I'm for sure not getting to Parcheesi, you guys. Okay. Mayor and all 2020 explored the basis of shoots and ladders with a free and adaptive game project. This refers, on the one hand, to systematic game pedagogy. The players and educators develop the game from the ground up and set the rules. The second element of the Monza project is mathematization. 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 God, there's some tricky words in this. My God. Over several years, teachers and learners abstract the game experiences into the language of mathematics. What? The actual balls. Hold on. Now it goes into mathematics of the game. This is deep. I swear to God, I thought, oh my God, let's just talk about shoots and ladders. And it was going to be like, here's how the game works. I had zero idea that this existed. And now we know together. Holy crap. Okay. Let's talk about the game's uh, logistics and mathematics. And also, I kind of like that I'm learning it at the same time as you because I do feel like this is a game that would be picked up by the podcast Stuff You Should Know, which is an awesome podcast that I, it's like one of the first podcasts I ever started listening to. It's so awesome. And oh my God, I'm so jealous. If any of you have not listened to any of the episodes of Stuff You Should Know, because you have so many archives to go through and Ridiculous History. That's another really good one, Ridiculous History. Like, Ugh, those are good podcasts. So if you like binging podcasts and you like learning about new things, those are really good ones. I say that because the guys that do Stuff You Should Know would do this research and they would compile it in an interesting conversational style way where they're just really teaching it and talking about it. But they already know because they researched. Well, maybe this is where like my spontaneous personality maybe is a strength. I don't know if this is the appeal to most people, but you know what? A really awesome girl boss recently told me, just vibe and people will vibe with you or they won't. And you've got a vibe and the people with your vibe will vibe with you and they'll find you. So just vibe, right? So let's just fucking vibe and I'll, you know, not research and learn it with you. (laughs) You know, I just won't do my homework and I'll just read from Wikipedia. That's my vibe. Okay. Any version of Snakes and Ladders can be represented exactly as an absorbing Markov chain. An absorbing Markov chain. Since from any square, the odds of moving to any other square are fixed and independent of any previous game history. Hmm. Okay, I do want to click on Markov chain just to get the basic thing. In the mathematical theory of probability, an absorbing Markov chain is a Markov chain in which every state can reach an absorbing state. An absorbing state is a state that once entered cannot be left. That doesn't help me. That an absorbing Markov chain is a Markov chain. Now I gotta click on fucking Markov chain. I'm sure, I'm sure like any mathematicians out there are like, oh my god, it's fascinating. So a Markov chain is a stochastic model describing a sequence of possible events in which the probability of each event depends only on the state 
attained in previous events. Informally, this may be thought of what happens next depends on the state that once entered cannot be left. Okay, that was very... Basically, it sounds like, hey, the past is in the past. It's an absorbing Markov chain. That's what it sounds like to me, that your future movements are not determined by other movements that happened in the past. Like once it's past, it's done because anything can happen. Just like we were saying earlier that even if you're at number 99, if you roll a six, guess what? You're 99 plus one minus five. That's 95. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) All right, here we go. The Milton Bradley version of Shoots and Ladders has 100 squares with 19 shoots and ladders. A player will need an average of 39.2 spins to move from the starting point, which is off the board, to square 100. A two-player game is expected to end in 47.76 moves with a 50.9% chance of winning for the first player. Whoa. These calculations are based on a variant where throwing a six does not lead to an additional roll and where the player must roll the exact number to reach square 100. And if they overshoot, their counter does not move. Okay, so in that version, no bonuses for sixes. And if you overshoot, like you have to roll the exact or else you can't move, you can't advance. Fair enough. All right, now we're going to go into popular culture. Did you guys have any idea we were going to learn so much about shoots and ladders today? I didn't. Oh, here's a warning. This section appears to contain trivial, minor, or unrelated references to popular culture. Please recognize this content to explain the subject's impact on popular culture, providing citations to reliable secondary sources rather than simply listing appearances. Unsourced material maybe challenged and removed. And that was updated June of 2021. So, like I was saying, I think Wikipedia has really been good at keeping it legit. Oh my God, I just, I read a sneak peek of what the next thing is. And you are not going to believe what phrase originated in the game of Snakes and Ladders. Or at least was influenced by it. It is the earliest, oh God, how do you say this? Attestation, A-T-T-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N, attestation. Oh, like it's been attested to. So the earliest attestation of the phrase refers to this game. What's that phrase? Find out after I take one more break. Okay, are you ready to find out the phrase? Did you make a guess? The phrase. Back to square one originated in the game of snakes and ladders, or at least was influenced by it. The earliest attestation of the phrase refers to the game, whoa, refers to the game. Withal, he has the problem of maintaining the interest of the reader who is always being sent back to square one in a sort of intellectual game of snakes and ladders. What? Where did that come from? Let me click on the cited sources. Oh, I don't have to actually click. I could just hover over it. Thanks, Wikipedia. It's The Phrase Finder by Gary Martin and then Hugh Jones, EM in 1952, The American Economy, The Economic Journal. Oh, wow. Okay. Anyway, the game is a central metaphor of Salman Rashid's Midnight's Children. The narrator describes the game as follows. 
Dude, bro, if you keep doing this, you're gonna, you're gonna, I don't know what's gonna happen. Okay. All right, we're gonna get through this together. All right. Describes the game as follows. All games have morals, and the game of snakes and ladders captures, as no other activity can hope to do, the eternal truth for that every ladder you hope to climb. A snake is waiting just around the corner, and for every snake, a ladder will compensate. But it's more than that. No mere carrot and stick affair, because implicit in the game is unchanging two-ness of things, the duality of up against down. Good against evil, the solid rationality of ladders balances the occult sinuosities of the serpent. In the opposition of a staircase and a cobra, we can see metaphorically all conceivable oppositions. Alpha against Omega. Mother against Father. That was intense. Snakes and Ladders is a board game cafe chain headquartered in Toronto, Canada, Named after Snakes and Ladders. Oh my God. If you are in Toronto, Canada, and if there is a cafe and it's still there, I really want to see a picture. Please, please, please. In the Abby Hatcher episode of Game Time with Mo and Bo, Mo and Bo play a Snakes and Ladders video game on a computer tablet in a hotel. While playing, they walk around unknowingly causing trouble in the hotel. Through Abby's instructions, they use their bodies to simulate snakes and ladders to help those they affected. What? (laughs) That's wild. I feel like that would be interesting to watch. Let's see. Snakes and ladders and it... Dude, bro, please stop. He's making so much noise. Snakes and Ladders is a 1980 album by Scottish singer-songwriter Jerry Rafferty. A 2001 Egyptian film... El Selim Well Taban called after the game about relationship mishaps of a flirtatious, divorced young man falling in love. And there you have it, folks. That is everything that Wikipedia.com says about snakes and ladders, also known as shoots and ladders. Let's do a recap. Oh my God, this originated from a board game from India and with the British colonialization was then appropriated into like a morality thing, well, which it was a spiritual lesson game. And now it became about like, don't be a bad boy and girl. We learned about the laws of probability and about the Monkov, I don't even remember the name of it. The, the, you know, what's done is done. What's the past is the past. But you still have to be cautious for the future because behind every ladder is a snake. And every ladder is compensation for a serpent. And, you know, in a way, that does kind of go along with the whole idea of the origin of the karma lesson with the game from its roots. That aspect of, like, even if you get a snake, you might get a really big ladder. But just because you got a snake doesn't mean you will never get a ladder. Any mistakes you've made in your past, it's in the past. You've already slid down the snake. You can't climb back up the snake. What's done is done. You're back to square one. All right, you guys, this is ironically, maybe not ironically, but fittingly, a really great first episode of board games because I'm so worried about what I've done in the past. I know I don't do roller derby anymore, you know, and I've been giving myself a lot of like grief about it, but that's the past. What's done is done, right? So I want to keep doing a podcast. It's fun. I like rules. I still love rules. So let's move forward in a different way. And if you don't want to play this game anymore, you don't have to. But if you want to stick around, cool. 
And if you're like, wow, Overreactor is so cool, feel free to leave me a podcast. I think it helps. Nope, that's not what I meant to say. Feel free to leave me a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever. It really does help. That's what I hear a lot of podcasts say, so I guess it does. I don't know the rules of that yet, of social media marketing. Mm, Those are rules I just cannot wrap my head around. Thank you guys so much, and I'll talk at you later. Goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by Joey, Mike Raj, and Abe12399. Recorded by me, Overreactor. Edited by me, Overreactor. If you would like to support this podcast by signing up for my Patreon, that would be incredible. It's patreon.com forward slash overreactor. And for $1 a month, you could help support this going a long way. And at the higher levels, $8 and $25, you could also get your hands on some exclusives, some merch, and some original artwork made by me. Thank you so much. Bye.